Good morning, everyone. All right, so this is, this is literally preaching to the choir. You know, you guys like, here's how important your marriages are to you. You haul yourself up at the, you know, the crack on a Saturday morning to come to a marriage conference. Y'all, you, we, you, I need to give you those stickers like I gave blood, you know. I went to the marriage conference at, you know, the crack of dawn on Saturday morning. <laughs> um, I am covetous for my Saturday morning, so I applaud you for being here on behalf of your relationship. Um, I think after last night, you got more of a sense of what I meant when I said this is not kind of, um, you know, typical kind of marriage conference. I'm pushing you. Um, and I know I am. I am making this as complicated as it is, okay? <laughs> I mean, half of what I do in my life and in my work is I put bad marriages back together, and this is how I do it, okay? I'm not giving you the easy version because there isn't an easy version. You know, and church leaders often ask me, you know, what can churches be doing, you know, to help, you know, marriages, why there's so many divorces, the reason there's so many divorces is because our culture doesn't take seriously how complex the dynamics of a marriage is. So there's a lot going on, and what I want you to learn is what is going on. And you singles, um, I want you heads up, because you're going to find that ideal we found, talked about last night, and I don't want to be Johnny Raincloud or anything, but that's going to go away. Then it gets hard. So what we're talking about is essentially how do you make hard work? Because it gets hard at some point all the time. Um, but I have been pushing you. Years ago at my own church, First President Jackson, we had a marriage speaker come speak to uh, our men's prayer breakfast. And he's this very erudite, super intelligent professor type. And he talked for an hour or more about the intricacies and dynamics and sub-dynamics of the marital dyad and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, okay. So then he finishes up and he closes in prayer. And in that silence, like between when you say I'm in and when the chairs start to push back and that moment of silence, this elder, he was like, this guy's like old as Alabama, okay? Like this old elder says loud enough for everybody to hear it. He says, I'm just glad I got married before it got so complicated. <laughs> so if you're saying that after last night, I get it, all right? So we talked about four areas that we have to have ticking uh, in order to um, make marriage work, or to make life work, actually. Um, Intimacy and closeness and the idea of identity, sort of who am I and who are you and how do those two people still exist together in a way that's mutually respectful. Um, dealing with imperfection and how things are fallen and how that hurts, how I'm fallen and how you're fallen. Making sense of impulse control, what do I do with my emotional world? Uh, am I reactive or can I think? And mostly having a repentant heart and that is approaching my marriage from the position of you know, hey, spouse, I'm as screwed up as you are, so. So our point last night was that your relationship struggles or your work struggles or your Christian life struggles or your parenting struggles, probably because you're lacking some of these abilities that God created us to need in order to do those things and to do anything. You know, how's your job going to go if you can't risk failing? Or how's your obedience to God going to go if you can't do submission? These are the 
software for doing life, all right? So this morning we're going to look at two of our character, our, our capacities, our character abilities um, in more detail. Intimacy and attachment and the whole issue of conflict, which is the direction I'm taking the identity piece. Because if you have an identity and I have an identity, you're going to have conflict because you're not the same person, all right? So we're going to look at those two this morning. It's practical time. And as I said last night, these are kind of of supreme importance. These are intimacy and mutuality, which, as I told you last night, are kind of the, the, the two pieces that make all relationships work. Can we be close and can we both matter? Can we be one? Can we be two? All right. So that's what we're going to be talking about. I wish I could unpack them all. Um, y'all see my website up there. I have other marriage topics on my website um, if you want to go listen to some more. But let's start with intimacy. Like, call me crazy, but if you're going to be married, you might want to know how to be close, you know. Um, now, guys get a lot of stereotypical hassle on this, but as I told you last night, I'm backwards. Um, a lot of guys are more the emotional relational one in their marriage. But guys are sometimes, you know, deserving of the, of the hassle. This joke communicates where us guys often are regarding intimacy. This little boy and this little girl are playing one day, and the little girl says, hey, Johnny, you want to play house? And Johnny goes, yeah, I'll play house. What do you want me to do? And she says, um, I want you to intimately communicate your feelings. That's what I want you to do. And Johnny goes, intimately communicate my feelings? I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, perfect. You can be the husband. <laughs> anyway, so ladies, you want romance and poetry and a guy who like, you know, his favorite hobbies are committing to relationships and growing to improve myself. But you end up with, if you marry a Mississippi boy, you're dealing with somebody whose, you know, ultimate means of emotional expression is spray painting your name on an overpass. You know, that's kind of as you know, touchy-feely as we can get. But as we said last night, this intimacy thing is what marriage was created for. All right? Naked and not ashamed, remember? That's the goal. And as we said last night, that's not describing the, you know, if you choose to forgo night on The Bachelor. All right? That's describing deep, intimate oneness and closeness where I'm safe at last. So we were made for this. It's what heaven will be, deepest intimacy. So let's learn about what that's about. Um, God says it's not good for the man to be alone. And when he says that, that's not just the invention of marriage. That's the invention of relationship. Um, So we're going to talk about this morning what God calls abiding, what shrinks call emotional intimacy, what we called last night, can I let you in, can I keep you in, um, and apply that to marriage and dating. Um, Just a little sideline, remember though, what I kept saying last night Where's the only place that parts of our hearts that are broken or incomplete grow in connection and relationship? So this is a human issue too, which this is kind of another show um, or Q&A, but that is intimate connection being known is the place where I'm going to grow in my heart, all right? But we're just going to talk about regarding marriage right now. We can broaden it later. We're going to talk about three things about this. Number one, what intimacy is, what are the different levels of it? We're going to talk about the way in which we can struggle there, some of the dynamics and the dances you can 
and two as a couple. And we're going to talk some about how and where you need to grow there so you can do it better. So, number one, what do we mean when we're talking about closeness and intimacy? It just occurred to me one day, you know, I'd been doing talks on this and and, uh, you know, you always hear people talk about, you know, communication skills or intimacy in a marriage. And I thought, you know, well, actually, what does that mean? Like, when I'm talking about intimacy, what do I mean? Well, to understand it, you got to understand there's sort of different levels of it. It helps me to kind of have different categories to compare it to. Because they're concentric circles of it. Um, it's, a, it's a relative term, intimacy. Talking about intimacy is sort of like talking about being rich, right? Being rich in Beverly Hills versus being rich in Pantherburn, Mississippi are two different things, okay? And so it's, it's kind of relative. So when one spouse says, I really want to know you, and the other spouse says, um, well, I've told you that I like light starch in my shirts, right? I mean, then we have a problem, all right? We're talking different levels of intimacy there. So what is it? What is it not? You know, just so we're on the same page. Number one, First level of intimacy I call drive through because this is the level of intimacy wherein you say things like, would you like fries with that, okay? In other words, this is the level of people you just, you know, cross paths with. Um, you're occupying nearby space. Can you push two for me on the elevator? If this describes the depth of your marriage, please see me after class, okay? <clears throat> Number two, we mentioned a little last night, new sports and weather. All right, now this is where you spend a lot of your time. This is what we did before we got started. You know, you know, can you believe all these hurricanes? Have you heard about so-and-so? You know, it's supposed to storm tomorrow. Get it? New sports and weather. It's kind of what we do when we chit-chat. Now, most relationships begin there. That's just social appropriate. Everybody goes there some, and that's okay, all right? It's, it's okay. It's legit. It's actually important to be able to be superficial, all right. I had a friend in California when I was in school, and she could never be superficial. She was always deep. And so you'd see her on campus, and you'd go, hey, Sally, how's it going? And she'd go, um, well, actually, I've been feeling a lot of despair. And you're like, okay, it's good to see you. You know, if you're you know, right on, Sally. It's awesome. Me too, yeah. Anyway, so it's legit to do new sports and weather and chit-chat. But if your relationships stay there, you know, you're going to be very well-informed. You're going to know all the scoop, but um, you're going to be superficial. Some marriages, some romantic relationships settle into that. You know, they, all they do is live at the, what would you do at work today? Here's a problem with the kids. You know, what about the local scandal? And that's all they do, and they've sort of settled into that roommate phenomenon, all right? Let's not settle, all right? Next is TCB. Um, got any Elvis fans here? Anybody know what TCB means? Taking care of business, right. Actually, this should be TCBB, taking care of business, baby. All right? Because Elvis had this, like, entourage. They called it the Memphis Mafia, and they were always, like, doing what Elvis wanted. And, and you know, they'd walk past him and go, uh, taking care of business, Elvis, TCB. I mean, I think it's on his tombstone or something. But, um... <laughs> This is, I just call it that because uh, this, is where we, this is where we live practically. This is solving a problem, giving an opinion, taking care of business, get it? Like, you know, I love the food at, what was that barbecue place? Yeah, that one. Um, 
Yeah, that's good. Um, we need to stay within our budget. I think we should get a used car. You hear I'm solving a problem. I'm fixing things, giving you my opinion. TCB is sort of Martha in the Bible, you know, working. It's what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm telling you information, you know. It's probably where you spend most of your practical time, and that's legit again. If this were a talk on being practical and making life work, we would, you know, stand for the benediction at this point. Because, you know, you got to make life work, and that's good. TCB is useful. But if that's as far down as you can go, if as deep as you can go in your relationships is, oh, yeah, you have a problem, let's fix it. Um, here's my thoughts on that. Then your life's going to run like a sewing machine, and you're going to handle problems, and people are going to, you know, they're going to like you. And actually, you'll be very helpful. Um, and granted, it's more intimate than anything you've done so far, because it really is your opinions and your thoughts, okay? But that's as far as you go, period, in terms of your level of connection. It'll actually be sadder than that scene where they lock up Dumbo's mother, all right? Because there will be this sense in which people will never really know your heart, okay? This isn't your deepest heart. And though it's legit, this is a talk on intimacy. So, Adam had meaningful work to do in the garden, right? And God said, not good. We need more. We need to get some human contact in there, all right? Which leads us to level four, which, which God calls abiding, so I'll call it abiding as well. Now, I want to teach you about abiding. Some of y'all do abiding. Some people don't do it well. Some people don't hold on to it well. Remember, can I let you in and can I keep you in? So we're going to talk about two parts of this. Let's start with let you in. Abiding, this is Jedi level relationship, boys and girls, okay? This is where you actually need to be pretty strong emotionally to do it because it's vulnerable. This is where you're strong enough to give up needing to be Steve McQueen or Gwyneth Paltrow or whoever, you know, your fantasy has it all together person is and actually get to be the person you are with the person you're with, like your heart, like the truth, all right? This is let you in from last night. This is the only place you get to really look in someone's eyes and know that they know you and know that they know some garbage about you and see that those eyes still love you. All right, you're not going to get that at any other level. And it's kind of fundamental for your marriage to have any real richness. There's another way to say this. Everybody has a, has a true self, all right? In other words, real you, non-chameleon you, like real heart, who you are. There's a Chris Rock joke. He says, um, uh, when, when somebody first meets you, he says, they ain't meeting you. They're meeting your representative. Somebody sent ahead to make you look good, all right? <laughs> all right, so that's not true self, all right? So true self is like the real you, not your representative. Really who you are when you're by yourself. What it feels like to be you. Subjectively, if I got in your noggin, what's it like to be you? Abiding, as we alluded last night, is your sense of who you are, what it feels like to be you shared, okay? Think about it superficially, you get up in the morning, what do you experience uh, subjectively? You think about your day, you go, oh God, I don't want to do that, and that report's due Thursday, but I have that fun lunch today. You know, you think about 
your day. You have an experience inside. That's you. Do you hear the you kind of communicated there? All right. Everyone shake hands with you. All right. Now, TCBers, this is why your spouse wants to talk to you about your day. All right. It's not because they're secretly writing the biography of John L. Cox. It's because your experience of your day, what was your day like, is a sense of who you are, you know? They're not wanting over every meeting you want to forget. They're wanting to hear what it was like to be you. All right. Now, you get that one? That one's easy. That one's superficial. Let me give you a deeper one. Because this is also about what we feel and being vulnerable and being connected, being scared, being hurt. In other words, abiding level of connection is I start to share my heart with you. Okay? Um, Let me illustrate. I'm going to tell you the same story in TCB version and in abiding level four connection version. All right? My daughter Bonnie, my youngest, is um, a nurse. And um, she was not like a great student. She's an incredible nurse. But we just, you know, we, 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 we suffered with her through school. She finally got out, and she ended up actually getting a job at my hospital, which was really kind of cool, All right? That's TCB version. All right, here's the abiding version. I cannot tell you how much we prayed for Bonnie. Because school was not her thing. And she longed to be a nurse. It's all she wanted. And the test would just drop her dead. And anyway, I watched that girl work and work. And she passed, all right? And then she gets a job at my hospital, which was exciting. But then one day I'm walking through the lobby of the hospital. And there's this little blind nurse walking in front of me. And I don't think anything of it. They're all little blonde nurses. It's like Oompa Loompas, you know, they're all these little blonde nurses, okay? But suddenly this one, for some reason, stops in her tracks and turns around, and it's Bonnie. There in the hospital, bought her little dangly little badges and stuff. There in the lobby of the hospital, there she was. Do you feel the difference? All right. One of them, I told you the facts. I told you the story. The other one, I gave you more of my heart, what it was like for me. Feel the difference? That's TCB versus abiding. That's what your spouse means or your friends mean. They go, I don't feel like I really know you. I'm like, wow, I told you she worked at the hospital. I'm like, no, but I don't get what that was like for you. Now, some of us don't know. We're going to get to this later on. Some of us were never taught to listen to our heart like that and let it be in the relationship. But I want you just to get the category for right now. So that's what we're talking about. Can I know my own heart and can I share it with you? We're not talking about anything spooky here. We're not rolling chicken bones. God created us for this. Not good for the man to be alone, all right? So share me. Let's talk about feelings just for a minute because we're Christians and this is so much about feelings. And Christians, there's feelings often get a bad name in the Christian community. Um, I don't know if any of y'all are old enough to remember the old Campus Crusade track with fact, faith, and feeling, the little train, you know, and the facts are the engine, and the little car is the faith, and then the caboose is the feelings, because you don't really need a caboose, right? Who needs a caboose? Train's fine without a caboose, all right? Because the feelings aren't really that important. And in a sense, that's legit, um, because when it comes to our faith, because our faith is fact-based, 
And it's true. You know, God is real regardless of how you feel about it. And we know that. We protect that. So in regard to fact-based decisions like, is that truck going to hit me? Or is God real? How you feel about it really doesn't make that much difference. It's true. All right? And for that reason, Christians have sort of dismissed the value of feelings. But relationally speaking, okay, this is a marriage conference, not the Council of Chalcedon, all right? Relationally speaking, what's the role of feelings? Relationally speaking, they are the core of who you are in a relationship, all right? If you and I had a discussion after our meeting today and we disagreed on something practical like, you know, how often you should change your oil, you wouldn't think about that after a while. But if I insulted you, if I hurt you, it'd be two years later and you'd still be talking about it. Let's say we're getting John Cox back to do a parenting conference. You're like, oh, you're not going to believe what he said to me two years ago. Okay, why? Because I hurt your feelings, all right? Relationally speaking, it's the core of who you are. T.C. Beers are going, I don't get it, all right? Relationally speaking, the feelings are the core of who you are. Relationship, how people feel in it has to be a factor. And if you don't understand that piece, put that on your to do list, like we said last night. I saw a couple once, um, and she walked in the, in the office ahead of him and beat him into the office, sat down on the couch, and immediately started crying. And I'm like, whoa, he kind of comes in, you know, and she just looks at me and she goes, He hurt me so bad. He said I was fat. And I looked at this guy, and he's a total TCB guy. In fact, he was like worse than a TCB guy. He was like this logical brainiac kind of guy. You know, I think he had built his own positron collider in the backyard, you know. And he looks at me, kind of confused, and he goes, well, she is, isn't she? And I'm just like, you know, good night, Vienna. Uh, and he was totally wasn't connected to what it felt like to be a person and how people hurt and how that matters and how people are vulnerable and the whole issue of compassion. And he just didn't get it. He wasn't tuned into that emotional thing. So that's part of this intimacy thing too. Can you matter? Can I hear you? Does your heart matter? So can I touch what it feels like to be me and share that? Can I tune in the fact that you feel probably the same way I do in life? Love your neighbor as yourself. They hurt just like you. That's, that's Christ's principle there is if you get how you hurt, then you get how other people hurt. Now treat them like you would want to be treated. Not rocket surgery again, okay? So this is sort of this here you piece is what we call empathy. All right. In other words, can I try on what it feels like to be you? Could you touch what it felt like to be me when I was telling the Bonnie story, the second one? Did you get it? Did you feel it? Good. All right. You, you, you're, that's what empathy is. You could try it on. Oh, my gosh, that must have been so dear to him. You got it. All right. So one of the deepest ways we can be loving in a relationship is to try on where someone else is. My wife's mother has been ill a lot. Um, and it, not only does my wife go to work, she then has to go deal with her mother in the um, old folks' home and comes back drained. And last couple, two or three weekends ago, she was just sitting there blank-faced. And I said, you okay? And she said, I'm depressed. And I backed up and thought, okay, sweet moment here. This is a great opportunity. I tried it on. And I said to her, <laughs> Of course you are. 
Of course you are. I said, all you do is either work or go watch your mom suffer and not know what to do. And then come home and wait for her uh, nurse to call you and tell you whatever y'all did today didn't work. Of course you're depressed. And she started to cry. Now, why did she cry? Because she got connected to, she got heard, she got understood. That's empathy. That's connection. That's abiding. When it's not hard, I tried on what it was like to be heard. That, of course you're depressed. This was terrible, right? Not trying to fix it. Not trying to make it better. What did we say last night? Heals pain. Connection. I'm with you. I get it. I love you. All right? Now, all this sounds great, doesn't it? God created us to be naked, not ashamed. He created us. It's not good for man to be alone. He created us for loving, abiding connection. Why aren't we just running into this all the time? We know my heart. You know, well, there are some people like that. You know, like that lady in the butterbean aisle who it's like, no, it's enough. You know, I didn't want to hear your whole story. Um, <laughs> um, but why, why do we sometimes resist this? People get a little squirrely when I start talking about intimacy like that. What's the reason that we don't rush into this? Anybody? It's vulnerable. Right, exactly. That's kind of big number one. Um, Ever since the fall, being real me in a real relationship is scary. It's vulnerable, you know? You know, before the fall, we said the Bible said that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Now, why would it say that? Because it's weird. (laughs) In other words, you're not going to believe this. They were naked and not ashamed, for crying out loud. Can you believe that? Now, the Bible says that because that's weird. The rest of us, if we're naked, we're ashamed. I don't want you to know real me. I want you to think I'm 10 feet tall, good looking, and bulletproof. You know, that's kind of where we all want to be, right? So this is one of the biggest problems of the human race, by the way. And that is that the thing that we long for the most ultimately in our lives is love. And the thing that we're terrified the most of in life is the vulnerability of love, right? As I mentioned last night, another one of those places, like Paul said, where we're subjected to futility. The thing we long for the most is the thing we run from the most, all right? This is also why perfect love casts out all fear, because if you ever felt perfect love, it would scare you so badly, nothing else you're afraid of would even matter anymore. (laughs) But um, this is a real big reason that marriage is hard, because we all fear exposure and shame, right? I don't want you to really see all of my failings. That's I don't, I don't want to be exposed like that. But marriage butts open all the most vulnerable parts of us, you know, and just, you know, shakes them in each other's faces. Whether you want to hide or not, your spouse sees you and points it out, sometimes not kindly, all right? I don't know if I want her to see me. Marriage pushes this vulnerability whether you want it or not, which is one of the reasons people go to roommate, because I'm just not going to be intimate. Last time I was intimate, it hurt, Okay. So making sense of what it look, would look like to have a marriage where it's safe, you're gonna, this is why we started with safe last night. How can I be safe in my marriage and when I'm known is kind of ground zero. This is also one of the dynamics for why affairs are appealing, uh, especially the more superficial ones. People say, you know, I love Trixie because she understands me. And I want to say, uh, no. Your wife understands you. She knows you're a jerk, 
right? You love Trixie because she doesn't understand you. She thinks you're fantastic, all right? <clears throat> if Trixie really understood you, she, you know, whatever, she'd, she'd head for the hills. So in, in, real, in real relationships, we, we get hurt. So that's one reason we don't want to go to level four. Another reason I see is that people are simply not taught it. Some of you here, as I'm talking about that emotional connection piece, are going, that doesn't really compute, Doc. And a lot of that is because tons of us grew up in families where the emotional world just isn't something you talk about. You know, it's like, keep it to yourself. Anything below the surface kind of doesn't, we don't talk about that, you know. Or, you know, if if you have feelings, mom's feelings actually dominate the house. Or dad's drinking makes everybody kind of scurry for the corners. But don't, you know, don't let anybody see it. And there's this kind of atmosphere of hiding. You don't really learn to listen to, you know, what do I feel about that? Or you're even told that, you know, you know that didn't hurt. You know, you have this kid who's like screaming in pain. It's like, that didn't hurt. Hmm, interesting. So anyway, we can often grow up in that kind of thing. Norm and I were at a restaurant once, and we saw this family of four come in and sit down. And the moment they all sat down, they all pulled out a book. Four people, four different books. And they sat there and they read their book. And the waitress came and brought the menu, and they looked at the menu and obviously chose what they wanted and went back to their books. The waitress comes, they all look up and order, and they go back to their books. They've still never said a single word to each other. Okay, then their food comes, and they keep their book in their left hand, and they eat with their right hand, all with their books. You know, we were spellbound. We were like ordering more desserts, you know. We just like... (laughs) What is going to happen? Are they going to ever acknowledge one another, you know? And I just had the thought at that moment. I'm like, you know, what's there? Here's little Billy, and, and he's sitting at the table at dinner with his family. He's not done anything but read. And I'm like, what's he going to be like as a husband one day, you know? He's going to be, you know, in the, you know, Cabo on his honeymoon with a book, you know? And his wife's going to be going, Billy, where are you? And he's going to be, page 32, what? You know, it's like, all right. So, a lot of reasons intimacy can be vulnerable or hard, but God created us for it. It's the thing we get afraid of, but it is the fuel that runs us, all right? So, TCB Elvis, and like I said, keep saying, some TCBers or the spouse or the wife, all right, can go either way, but what she's saying when she says she wants you to hear her feelings or what he's saying the emotional guy if he's saying complaining about work is that for level four people abider people what they feel is just core to who we are and if you care about loving your spouse well or you want to develop more closeness or in your marriage or in your dating you'll learn to let what people feel have matter have validity like the story about my wife and her mom okay Now, this does not mean that feelings will always make sense, okay? We're not going for sense yet. We're going for closeness. One night, Norma wakes me up in the middle of the night. She, like, slugs me on the shoulder. I'm like, what? She goes, I'm so mad at you. Like, two in the morning. Like, what? And she said, I just had this dream, and we were driving through the desert, and you just drove off and left me there. And I'm like, Go back to sleep. I'll come pick you up. I mean, what do you want me to do, you know? So, you know, feelings don't always make sense. Um, Another by the way on the whole intimacy thing. I believe intimacy, and in some ways identity too, 
But intimacy is the number one foundation for sexuality, all right? In other words, if you're not doing well in the intimacy relational part, emotional connection part of your relationship, your sexuality is going to have some fruit of that. Um, 99% of the people I see who come to see me for sexually related problems in their marriage, the problem resides here in the intimacy part of their relationship, not in the sexual part. Which is why I'm not a huge fan for sex therapists. For me, that's like being a fever doctor. It's like, well, actually, there's an infection under the fever. Let's address that. So bottom line, I tell people sex ought to be the physical expression of the emotional intimacy you're having. All right? Intimacy you're having. That's why they call it intimate wear. Get it? Okay? It's about being intimate. All right? I actually believe that sex is this genius creation God made. Well, let me put it this way. Once God made man and once he made woman and once he made love, I mean made the emotion of love, um, (laughs) he had a problem. And that is, how do you express the depth of connection and oneness and belonging and soul connection that comes from that kind of love? Because English don't cut it. You can't communicate it. So sex is a language. Sex is a way to speak the depth of oneness and connection that a husband and wife are intended to share that's inexpressible in any other way, which has tons of implications, obviously. Obviously, this is why, you know, having a relationship outside of marriage is not just wrong, it's stupid, because it's a language to describe the exclusive ultimate oneness that I share with you. How do you do that with multiple people? That doesn't work. Um... Also, um, it it, it explains why some, um, well, let me put it this way. Um, T.C. Beers, this is why your emotionally connected spouse can kind of look at you like you're crazy if you've been emotionally distant all day, and then later on that night go, hey, let's get frisky, all right? That's confusing to them because there hasn't been any intimacy all day, and now you want to speak the language of ultimate intimacy It's a little confusing. To them, it's sort of like saying, you know, I've left the U.S. I don't believe in America. I kneel at the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, the national anthem. I'm not into the whole America thing. Um, uh, But let's have a big Fourth of July party tonight. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait. Wait, I thought you hated America. You know, I mean, Fourth of July is to celebrate America. I mean, you've just been watching TV all day. And they're like, well, I just like hot dogs and fireworks. I don't get it. It's like, you know, why not? You know. And to them, you're wanting the ultimate expression of intimacy without the intimacy. That can be kind of confusing. That feels a little kooky. On the other hand, sex is also a language of fun. And a lot of the more abider types get, you know, get real serious and intimate about it and don't see just the playful fun side of it, which TC beers do. And they got a point. Don't knock it till you tried it. So there's kind of room for growth on both ends here, right? Uh, another by the way, a lot of by the ways here regarding intimacy. At this point in the talk, a lot of times couples have the question of sort of like, well, that's really cool, Doc, but um, we're living in the trenches, man. You know, we got you know, it's crazy busy and kids and all, and we just don't have the, the bandwidth to like sit and have this intimacy thing you're talking about. You know, what, how are we supposed to do about that? Well, that's a good point. Two answers to it. Um, number one, you're correct. There's a, a study I read uh, years ago 
about graphing marital satisfaction over the lifespan. And what it said was, when you first get married, the, the happiness level, marital satisfaction level is really high. And then you have kids, and the marital satisfaction level drops down. And then when your kids grow up and you're empty nest again, the marital satisfaction comes back up again, all right? <laughs> so, well, that doesn't really capture it. Let's do it like... There, all right? And so, uh, back when I was teaching Sunday school at my church a lot, you know, I call this the bottom of the U. We're living in the bottom of the U. So I'd see my friends, you know, dragging their kids in the church, and they're screaming and, like, trying, you know, getting heavy. You know, children can get heavier. Um, and I'm like, how are y'all this morning? And they're like, we're in the bottom of the U. All right, so that's legit. As an empty nester, I can tell you that that's true. All of it's true. So that is true. But here's the key. Point number two, intimacy is not about date night, all right? Intimacy is knowing my heart knows your heart, your heart knows my heart. Our hearts are together. That's what intimacy is. Yeah, sure, great. Look for times to just be all together when you can. But some of the deepest connection I've ever had in my marriage has been across the gurney in an ER while one of my kids is getting their legs set. And you look across and those eyes see your eyes and you guys do life together, you know? And you're going to walk through this together. That's intimacy. Intimacy is not like sharing my secret story of the day. It is being connected, all right? We live intimacy. We don't do intimacy, all right? So don't put it in that narrow band and then say you can't do it. Um, Another, by the way... I'm pushing on abiding because it's our topic, but again, abiding and TC being are both important, and I want you both to see the legitimacy of where you are. Again, this is a continuum. You're not at one end or the other, absolutely, but you're going to tend toward one end or the other. Practically speaking, you're probably going to tend to do TCB most of the time. You've got to make life work, right? Like we were talking last night, you know, those couples who basically only abide. I think it was a, a couple who were talking about passivity last night. Abiders are the same way. You know those couples who only just abide in loving, gazing intimacy and wonder together all the time and they have six kids with dirty diapers and two rusty Volvos and nobody's running this love fest. You know, it's like we kind of need that practical person. That's a lot of the reason that us emotional connector types married these TCBers in the first place because they felt really grounded and solid and practical compared to us. And then later on, we resent them for being so unemotional, you know. The goal here, though, by the way, is to be integrated, whole, as the Bible calls it, in the image of God. In other words, to be able to be grounded and solve problems and not just emotional, but to be able to be emotionally connected and not just practical, all right? So there's room for both. People who talk about personality styles, they're like, oh, I'm just a so-and-so. Okay, well, grow. Because the goal is not to say, well, I'm just a so-and-so. It's to say, I, if I'm just a so-and-so, then maybe I need to move this way to grow more to be like Christ. The goal is wholeness, all right? All right. Another, by the way, this is a lot about letting you in, as we talked about last night. Remember the other piece, though. Can I keep you in? I don't want to forget that. Like we said last night, a lot of the Connector types are all excited, like, yeah, we're talking about more intimacy, more intimacy is good, we need more of this. 
But the question we need to be asking, remember, is what do we do with love when we get it? Am I able to hold on to their love? Am I able to trust their love? How much reassurance do I need? Remember that guy who said women need five meaningful touches a day? I'm always like, well, what'd she do with the first four? You know, those were pretty good touches, as I recall. You know, is it the fifth one that's the magic touch? I don't know. What do you do with love when you get it? All right. How much reassurance do you need that your spouse loves you? Um, We need to take responsibility for that. So part of intimacy is being able to express love, closeness, connection. Part of intimacy is being able to trust love and connection and sort of know that I'm grounded in myself. Um, Otherwise, if you don't, you abiders who aren't that good at uh, keeping love in, you abiders who are kind of always wanting more, who are always saying like, I don't feel like we're connected, that kind of thing. What will happen is your spouse is going to hear that, and that's going to trigger something in them that's going to begin a dance. Now, let's talk about dances for a second. Um, This is super key if you want to understand marriage and you want to understand romantic relationships. Marriage problems are not linear. Marriage problems are not cause and effect. They're not cue ball hits the eight ball in the corner pocket. Marriages are like that water cycle you learned about in like sixth grade science where water evaporates and then it condensates and it precipitates. Remember that? Um, In other words, marriage problems are like A, I do A, which makes you do B. And when you do B, it kind of makes me do A a little more, which makes you do B a little more. And we do that to the old, old folks' home. All right. So fixing a marriage is usually, I always tell people it's like moving a refrigerator back into its slot in the kitchen. You sort of move one side and move the other because both sides need to kind of grow. All right. I'll give you an example. I saw a couple a couple weeks ago and she wants to be her. She wants to have a voice. She wants to exist. She wants to be able to say her opinion. That's really important to her. And she doesn't mean it in a controlling way. She just wants to exist. She wants to have ideas. Her husband, all he wants is to be affirmed. All he wants is for her to think, you're wonderful and that idea is the best idea ever. Okay? Now, what does that do to the part of her that wants to say, hey, I have a new idea. For I have an idea. Like, I have a brain. And every time she says that, he gets threatened. And he says, would you just let, I mean, nothing's ever good enough for you. So he gets controlly. So she, what does she do? She gets a little more recalcitrant. She's a little more like huffy. Well, sorry, this is who I am. I'm not just going to do what you want, which makes him feel less affirmed, which makes him more controlling, which makes her now more in his face. And you see how the cycle goes. Every marriage has cycles like that. And a huge thing you can do in your relationship is learn what your dances are. All right? So we're going to talk in this talk and the next one more about those dances. But that's what I do basically when I do premarital. Is I'm not going to talk about like let's go over your budget and what you're going to do with in-laws. I want you to hit the altar already knowing what your dance is going to be. Because you're going to be doing this dance until the old folks home. Okay? So let's go ahead and know what it is. Because you're going to tend to do this and that's going to make you tend to do that. All right? So I want to talk about some dances. In this case, in this talk, we're going to talk about some dances with intimacy. All right? Which is kind of like, you know, dances with wolves, only without the Indians. You know, Tatanka, Tatanka, okay? But here's, a, here's a couple of ways to think about it. Sometimes you get a real abider, marries a real TC beer, 
and like I say, it's a continuum, but the abider has all these feelings. And they say, I'm afraid of this, and you know, I'm, I'm mad about that, and oh, I so wish this. All these level four feelings, right? Now, what does TCB Elvis say when he hears all that? Well, why don't you take up jogging? Or let me talk to her. I'll tell her where she can put her carpool, you know. <laughs> Basically, that's, okay. In other words, who cares about how you feel? That doesn't change anything, right? Now, why do they do that? Is it because they're a jerk? Is it because they don't care about your heart? Um, no, it's because that's what level three is about. Remember, it's about solving problems. That's kind of where they're relating. So if you're communicating something emotional to somebody who lives at the problem-solving level, then it's, you know, no habla, all right? No speak of the language. This program is performed an illegal operation and will be shut down. You know, it's kind of like that. All right, you're relating in two different universes. And it's not that you're bad people. It's that you're kind of getting off at different floors, all right? Tons of marriage problems are just because of that kind of dynamic. Um, anyway, so a biter, here, let's talk about the dance more. A biter wants to feel more close and intimate. And TC beer just wants to sort of solve problems and be done with it. In fact, most TC beers have an emotional need. This is ironic. Most TC beers have an emotional need to fix things and feel like they're good at fixing them. In other words, the reason most fixers are fixers is not just because they're fixers. It's because if it's not fixed, it makes them start to feel this tension. It's like, what do you mean we're not going to fix it? We can't just leave it not fixed, all right? And they can't just sit with that sadness of, oh, I'm just with you and I love you. They, they got an emotional need to fix it. So they actually are very emotional. Anyway, so... TCB Elvis has this emotional need to be fixing it. That doesn't feel very intimate to the abider type. She just wants to be heard and be emotionally connected. So they're not very happy. So what does abider start to do now? And we begin our dance. She's going to start criticizing non-emotional Elvis for being such a distant flatliner. I'm trying to share my feelings and this is all you do. All you want to do is have sex. Instead of getting married, you should have just stayed in the frat house. And living with you is like living with an android. And, of course, that just woos him to her, okay? Um, in other words, how does problem-solving Elvis hear that? Super critical. To his ears, you're saying the worst thing you could ever say to a problem-solver who wants everything fixed and right. You're saying he's a failure. You're not happy with his performance. And he feels like nothing is going to be enough. Number one complaint I hear in my office from TCB spouses is, I just want her to be happy. I mean, it doesn't ever feel like anything's ever enough, right? Now, albeit that's because they're shooting at a different level, but... All right, so let's continue with our dance. TCB has just felt himself be criticized. What's he going to do? He's going to withdraw more. He's going to get more defensive. He's going to, you know, you've done the worst thing you can. You've told him he's not good enough. So now he feels like a failure and he's mad and he's going to draw. He's on the golf course somewhere, all right? So let's keep going with the dance. So now Priscilla feels really abandoned. He's on Neptune emotionally. So she's going to amp it up even more. What do you mean you're on the golf course? Why don't you know? And now he's going to withdraw even more. And they'll do that for, you know, all eternity. This is the approacher-avoider dance, which we see all the time. But I want you to start listening and looking for your dances. We'll talk in the next talk. The ability to back up and kind of go, hey, I'm doing this, which is making you do that, is huge. Um, here's another one. I saw a couple years ago, and um, 
he really struggled with keeping love in. Like, could he just feel good being him? Like, knowing he was loved and that being good. And his wife did love him, but she was real low-key, kind of not real expressive, you know. But he's real insecure, and he wanted to be, like, real excited about him. And, you know, jumping up and down when he comes home from work and real affirming and all that. He had this kind of insecurity. So he had said to her something like, hey, I love you. Which she heard exactly like you just did. Which is not saying, I'm pledging my heart to you. It's more like, I'm insecure and scared. Will you tell me how you love me back so I stop feeling insecure and scared? Which is, of course, a real turn on to her. And um, she's like, yeah, I love you too. You know, mm-hmm. Which totally did not scratch his itch. He's like, well, it doesn't sound like it. And she's like, what? Get off my case. And you can see how they get in another cycle, all right? So my question for her, of course, is, um, what would it mean, what would it look like for you to actually um, initiate more connection with him out of yourself, which can't happen until he stops controlling her, obviously. And my question to him was, can you hold on to love without needing her to reassure you all the time? You're living in a very ungrounded place. Who are you, dude? Come on, get grounded. Only when you're grounded and aren't so needy is she going to feel free enough to give you love. You see how to stop a cycle We have to the refrigerator back both sides need to kind of grow all right so learn your dances yeah we're in the right place all right what, what do we need to learn here how can both sides grow we're just again we're going to keep them as two poles tcb or an abider what do we need to learn? TCB is number one. See the relational world is valid. I hope I have made that point this morning. <laughs> a lot of guys feel like if they're going to be, you know, into being emotionally connected, it means you're going to have to like open up on the golf course or something, you know. Hey guys, I've got this like aching void within me, you know, like you're going through that kind of thing. You know, no. All intimacy means is you have some relationships in which you know, you're not alone. And there's a lot of talk nowadays about how men are into more problem solving and goal attainment, Venus and Mars kind of stuff. And there's some validity to that, but don't buy the whole enchilada on it. All right. Think about this, guys. How did all this marriage stuff start? I mean, God didn't come to Adam in the garden and say, yeah, see, you're pretty good here with your, you know, your your bass boat and your shotgun and your baseball bat and, you know, your four-wheeler. Um, and, uh, but I'm going to make this woman, and uh, she's going to need a lot. Like, um, you know, you're going to have to learn to express your feelings. You're going to have to learn communication skills. I know it's going to be a pain, Adam, but do this one for me. No, that's not what God said. What God said is, Adam, I see that you are in a place of great need. I'm going to get something in here for you. It's not good for the man to be alone. God was looking at how emotionally needy us dudes are, for crying out loud. So to the degree that any of us are living in a relationship, not seeing it, that connected piece is valid, we're out of step some way with how God created us. Okay, you're missing something. And what I find is that that will bear fruit at some other area of your life, as we mentioned last night. Anger, loneliness, depression, addictions. It's one of the reasons some of that stuff comes up for the less connected emotional people. So if you don't see the emotional connection thing as valid, 
see that as a problem? <clears throat> okay, Paul says everything else on the planet's groaning. If you're not, then, you know, check your ticket stub. Make sure you got off the wrong planet, right planet. And if your spouse is saying you're not getting it, listen to them. This may be one of your blind spots like we talked about last night. Second message to TCBers is learn to be with. This is a very important concept to me at lots of levels. We would talk about it in a parenting conference if we were doing that. We would talk about it, I'm talking about it in two weeks to a group I'm talking about depression to. Um, with is huge. What is it that TCBers think they need to do when some of, someone comes to them and says, I'm hurting or I'm sad or I'm mad at my best friend? What do they feel like they need to do? They're problem solvers, remember? They feel like they need to fix it, right? Take on the problem. Resolve it. Which is overwhelming to anyone. Wouldn't it be? I mean, this person who's always emoting in my life and I have to fix it all the time for crying out loud. I mean, gag. So they get sick of their spouse's needs. They eventually blow them off and we're off to the dances again. All right. Well, here's the good news, TCBers. You do not have to fix it. Let me give you a model for how to address and attend and, and, and be with people who are hurting. There's three places we can be with people who are hurting. One is we can blow them off. The other end of the spectrum is we can try to fix it. And the middle is what I call with. Blow off is sort of like when I just kind of like ignore the feeling. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. Get over it and blow it off. Fix it, of course. I'm going to rush in and try to make it better. And with, I'm going to talk about in a second. So we do this all the time. Your kid hates supper. I don't like what we have for supper. Blow off says, well, just think about the starving kids in India. I mean, eat what's on, on your plate, all right? In other words, I don't want to hear it, blow it off. Fix it is what a lot of our generation of parents do, and that is, well, then, baby, we'll just cut that oven on and make you some chicken nuggets if you don't like this. In other words, the child is like, you know, what is thy bidding my master? You know, we'll do anything that they want, all right? With, with is God's favorite preposition. Go look it up. How many times does he say with? Yea, I walk through the valley of shadow death, thou art with me. Emmanuel, God with us. God's covenant promise. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. I will dwell among you. I'll be with you. He's constantly talking about, I will be with you. And you will walk in the wilderness and I'll be with you there. With is what God does. With says, I hear you. I love you. I'm connected to you. We're together in this. It's not going to go away. I'm not going to fix it. I do care. We're not going to blow it off, but I'm with you. And as we said last night, there's something magical I don't understand. That if you're in connection with God and with his people, something about with makes the pain better. All right? So with says to that kid, yeah, dude, I know. I remember sometimes my mom would cook stuff I didn't like for supper. And it's like, you just wish you had pizza again, don't you? Well, you got to eat it or there's not being any dessert. But I get it, man. It, it's not always what we want. Love you. All right. Someone goes through a death. Blow off is, you know, well, you know, all things work together for good and they're in a better place and they're with the Lord now. And we go to Bible verse in them because we want to basically say, stop feeling bad because I'm uncomfortable with your bad feelings. All right. Blow off, uh, fix is like, okay, well, as soon as the funeral's over, let's go out and have a party. We're going to make it all better. All right. With is this. <sighs> I don't even know what to say. 
oh, I hurt with y'all so much. I hurt with y'all so much. I will walk through this with you, man. You just let me know in anything, all right? All right, in other words, the reason you don't know what to say at a funeral is because there's nothing to say at a funeral, all right? What they need is your witness, that presence, and we're afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. That's super powerful. It is a loving gift, all right? So when your, pal- your spouse is talking about their pain or I'm all upset, TC beers, all you got to do is be with. Oh, baby, oh my gosh, you did all that work at work and then she got the credit for it? Awful. Oh my gosh, you must be so mad. I'm kind of mad. I kind of want to go fix it. But Cox told me not to, right? <laughs> I'm just going to love on you. What do you need from me? Oh, baby. And what she'll say is, I don't need anything from you. I just wanted to tell you, I just wanted you with me in it. All right? Now, you're done. Just walk away. All right? You're done. <laughs> Loving accomplished. It is a done deal. You know? All right? That's all it is. It's not long division. All right? I had a TCB guy ask me once after a conference. He goes, um, yeah, I mean, I get that whole here and their feelings and being with thing, but what if their feelings are wrong? <laughs> I'm like, let me guess. You're a TCBer, okay? Um, just a long shot. But in other words, what he said is she says everybody in our church hates her. Like, she, she's all upset because nobody in the church likes her. And I know for a fact that's not true. Right? I think that's kind of a good question. Most of our wounded and pathological feelings are incorrect, all right? Or they wouldn't be wounded and pathological. But in order to get someone to see truth about them, which is legit, they got to be heard first, all right? You're not going to get sort of, the, the hearing is the anesthesia before you begin the surgery, don't start the surgery before the anesthesia, all right? Once she feels heard and understood and loved, like, baby, I know you go to church and you're hurt every Sunday. Oh, I love you. God, I know that's awful. Then you can swing back later and say, you know what? BTW, I've learned a couple of things that might mitigate against what you were feeling about the people in the church. Do you want to hear any of that? In other words, I'm going to ask permission. Now, I'm just come blustering in with new information here. I want to respect her. Do you want to know anything about this? This is her problem, okay? It is her responsibility. And I love that question, what do you need? That's got a double bite to it. On the one hand, it says, I care and I'm with you. On the other hand, it says, the responsibility for coming up with what you need is yours. In other words, some abiders can tend to just emote, and we'll get to that in a second. But for us abiders, sometimes we'll just want to moan and groan, and somebody will say, well, what do you need about that? And I'll see tons of these level four people go, well, I don't know. And I kind of want to go, oh, so you just wanted to bemoan it. Like, you don't actually want to go frontal lobe and think, what would help me solve this? So just as TCBers, we're going to talk about this in a second, need to be learning more to lean toward the emotional validity of that world. Abiders sometimes need to go a little more frontal lobe and go, actually, what do I need here? I need to take responsibility for my feelings. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about that in a second. By the way, husbands tend to be the worst at fixing things for their wives. And man, those wives hate that. But those wives, I find, tend to be the mothers 
who are the worst at fixing stuff for their children. Eh, go figure. I don't know. All right, so abiders, TCBers, what do we need to learn? Number one, respect other folks if they don't want to go there on your terms. In other words, intimacy and connection might look different to them than you than it looks to you, all right? Can we make room for intimacy that might not be just how we want? For them, intimacy might be doing stuff together or just being quiet or sitting in the same room while you read. If what you want is intimacy, which means real you meets real them, real them might be quiet, not talky. Real them might want to, I don't know, watch a show together. Can we make room for intimacy with people who are not exactly like us. Just because your spouse doesn't want to sit like knee to knee and share doesn't mean they're a relational zombie, all right? All right. So with real intimacy, our terms matter and their terms matter, which brings us to our little point we keep touching on, and that is mutuality. We both matter here, and we're different here in the midst of our intimacy, okay? So we need to sort of be aware of like, how much demand we have for that intimacy, okay? Chris Rock said, as you can tell, he's Chris Rock is my favorite Reformed theologian. Um, <laughs> Chris Rock said, he said, when your woman says, I wish we talked more, what she means is, I wish I talked more and you just sat there and listened to me, all right? <laughs> Which I have empathy with because I lived, think about it, I had three daughters and a wife. I lived with four women. All they did was talk, all right? I always wanted one of those, you know those line judges in tennis in the big high chair? Every now and then they just go, quiet, please. And everybody's it's like, I want that guy. I need that guy in my house, you know? Quiet, please. Um, all right, another point for us connector types. Share, that's cool in the gang if you want. But remember, your feelings are still your responsibility. This is huge. This is a talk on intimacy, but along with saying, hey, TCBers, learn more about intimacy, we're also going to be saying, hey, you intimate types, learn some responsibility and some frontal lobe because your emotionality isn't, you know, the end of the rainbow itself. In other words, it's cool to share your heart, but remember, your feelings, your reactions, your needs are ultimately your responsibility. What that sounds like is this. Instead of saying, I feel lonely in our marriage. The Trojan virus implication there being, what you going to do about it? Make me less lonely. Okay? Responsibility sounds like this. I'm feeling a little lonely in our relationship, and I want you to know. And I want you to be with me in it. And I'm not really sure what's going on about it. It may be me. I don't know. I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm going to talk to my body of Christ people. Um, but I want you to know. just want you to be with me. It's just feeling kind of weird. And I don't know. Let's think about it at some point. You hear how much responsibility that is? I'm not just dumping my feelings. You hear the fourth eye there? You hear the golf, not tennis? I'm feeling a feeling and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about it and I'm reflecting on it. That feels so good to your problem solver spouse who otherwise is going to feel like you're bringing another big nasty problem at their door after they've gotten home from work and now you want to talk about how you're lonely in our marriage. Oh my gosh. And now you all have a big fight. Okay, you get it? So, secret of the universe. The goal of intimacy is to be known not for your spouse to make you feel better, abiders. This isn't about I have another emotional need. 
Okay, good. Tell your body of Christ people about it. And share it with your, with your, with your spouse, but it's not their problem. You can share, but there may be a hundred reasons you might feel lonely, none of which have anything to do with your spouse. Um, so, in essence, sharing your feelings is not the same as doing your feelings. In other words, I freak out in anxiety. Hey, I'm just sharing my feelings. No, you're not. You're doing your feelings, the fourth eye, all right? So saying, hey, honey, I'm kind of scared about your job. I don't know, I'm really getting scared about it. That's very different from going, oh my gosh, we're going to live in a trailer. You know, hey, I'm just sharing my feelings. No, you're not. Sharing your feelings is saying, I like the color red. What you just did is got a bucket of red paint and threw all over me. He won't hear my feelings. I know he's dripping and dripping in feelings, you know. Ugh, poor guy, right? That'll just set him off, cue the dance. So you see how both had this responsibility and both of them danced together. All right, lastly, this is applicable to anybody, but I think for us, you know, more needful types, us more relational types, it's especially legit. Have other resources. Look, abiders, I get it. You long for more connection with your spouse. You wish they were able to go deeper relationally. You long for that. And I want them to learn that. And you want them to learn that. And that is a loss we have. Um, Like we talked about last night, that's one of those things we might need to grieve, that they can't go super deep with us emotionally. And I want to really acknowledge that. I experienced some in my life. I'm the abider type, all right? But I know this is a cultural no-no to say this. Um, marriage was never intended to be the sole resource to meet all of your emotional life needs, okay? I mean, God created us to have, yes, you know, deepest sharing in our marriages. But if you think about it, the New Testament has a lot more to say about oneness and intimacy in the body of Christ than it has to say about oneness and intimacy in marriage, all right? If you just compare verses, there's a lot more said about the body of Christ. And our culture and our Christian culture has turned marriage into this ultimate font of all of our needs. You know, we're going to have these little getaway weekends and the special time together, and this is going to be the place where we do the most wonderful sharing, and that is cultural, God never says that. He says, be one in the body, love one another in the body, go to one another in the body, confess to one another in the body, support one another in the body, confront one another in the body, be one in the body, all right? And our culture has lost so much of that body of Christ thing. Notice I keep coming back to this because our culture, especially since the Industrial Revolution, has become a lot more isolated. We gossip too much. It's not safe to tell. We advise and Bible verse people too much. So we're not safe as a body. So our culture's created kind of artificial things like small groups or therapy, which of course, I'm, that's great. I'm big on that. But we've also turned marriage into this secret little wonderful special place in which I'm supposed to get all of my needs met if my marriage was right. No wonder we're disappointed Okay, And no wonder singles are panicking and going, oh my gosh, what if I never get married? I'll miss out on the fount of wonder. You know, and I want to go, I've spoken to singles and I'm like, let me get this straight. You guys are not happy because you're not married? You know, let me understand this. 
So to TCB or an abider, like we said last night, we have to have powerful, truth-telling, loving relationships in our lives outside of marriage, people who are loving and safe, maybe people who you and your spouse both know, and you say to your husband, can I talk to Valerie about some of the junk we've been going on in our life? And my wife did that to me once. She said, can I talk to Melanie about some of our stuff? I'm like, please. You know, Melanie knows me. She knows I'm a jerk. There's not going to be any big surprises for her. So maybe she'll have some ideas, you know. Otherwise, a marriage is turned to these places where I'm trying to get all my emotional needs met by you, and you're trying to get all your emotional needs met by me, and we have a phenomenon we call in Mississippi, two ticks and no dog, all right? (laughs) Now, abiders, what happens is we have these people in our life who give to us, and it's going to change the dance. I was leaving work one day, and I was exhausted and kind of angry and and I was ready to head home. And I was already, I caught myself thinking, I'm going to head home to Norma and just pour out how exhausting my day was and how hard I worked. And, you know, I bet she's going to really appreciate that and tell me how much she thanks me for working so hard for the family. And then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, I've done this dance before. You know, those of us who are about to die salute you. Um, I don't think I'm going to do that again. So I stopped by my, 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 my buddy, Jim, who I told you about last night, one of my safe people, and I plopped down on his couch. It's one of the perks of working with a shrink. And um, I started going off about stuff and ranting, and I was angry, and I was exhausted, and I'm mad at insurance companies, and blah, blah. And then, ironically, my wife calls. And since we're in his office, he picks up the phone. He's like, yeah, he's right here. I'm doing therapy on him. Yeah, he'll be home in a minute. That was normal. Anyway, so he gave me all this good loving body of Christ stuff and it's like all the intensity of all that stuff went way down and I walked in the door and the dance didn't start I walked in the door more filled up and that intensity was gone and so we didn't play a game I'll tell you all about in the next talk how she and I used to fight over who gets who should be pitied the most you know (laughs) so at that point you have a good dance starting the abiders learn to get my needs met and not just dump them on my spouse the TCB is learning, you don't have to fix this. All you need to do is be with. And I see emotional, the legitimacy of the emotional world. And the level four person is more saying, yeah, but you know what? You don't need to fix it. I just want you to hear me. Don't worry about it. Don't take this on. Level three is more seeing how that closeness starts to feel good. And we have a good dance going on. All right? Because mutuality is as important as intimacy. All right? Um... Let's see, I've been talking a little more than an hour. Why don't we take a, another 10-minute break? We'll come back, we'll do conflict, and then we'll do a ton of Q&A at the end. How about that? Is that good? All right, 10 minutes.